I don't remember if I've seen Flashdance or not. That's like the only other Adrian Lin, or is it Adrian Lin? I don't know if it's Lin or Lin. Or probably going to say both during the episode, but I think that's the only other one that I might have seen. I don't remember if I have, because that Footloose and Dirty Dancing all kind of run together in my head. <laughs> uh, shame on you, you should separate those. But um, I mean, you know, I mean... Well, fun fact of the day, one time when I was at uh, one of the queer parties here, one of the smaller ones. Are, are you telling me that Miami has a very active gay community? What? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, it absolutely does. It's like one of the things I missed the most about Miami when I was in New York, actually. Which, like, I know New York has its own scene, but like... I was going to say, I feel like that's like a thing. No, I know, but like, I love mine. It's, okay, it's, that's fair. It's, that's fair. I, I hate saying like, it's like, it's home. Um... You know, I'm not going to pull, like, a fucking The Wiz right now, but, like, when I think of home, I think the of whiz. a place where there's love. Okay, I'm going to stop. Um, anyway. Who directed The Wiz? Who do you think direct? Do you not, do you not know? Or, like... Off, like, offhand, I can't recall. Oh, it's Sidney Lumet. Oh. Lumet. Hey, Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Um, so, at this queer party I was at, I asked my friend, because he DJs solely on vinyl, um and he had the flash dance one and i asked him to put on maniac and i did the full dance and i had a friend of mine literally throw a cup of water onto me before i like threw myself on the ground and did like not like not like a flip flip but like i like rolled over and flipped like a sally george rictus convulsion from yeah uh, from from venom basically that (laughs) throwback to venom again yep love it <laughs> but hey, um, that's what happens when we record four episodes in one day yeah um but yeah that's that is my exciting that's adrian your, line your, tale that's your cold open story yeah i mean i listen this movie is gonna have a lot of me in it i mean this this podcast is gonna have a lot of like me and my feelings in it i don't feel super strongly about anything in this movie so i think this might be a one episode <laughs> okay that's fine we all have our episodes i guess so <laughs> Welcome to episode 35 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gade, and my friend, collaborator, and co-host, broadcasting, not live, but you get what I mean, from Miami, Florida, the one and only Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan. Hi, Juan. All right. So now that that's out of the way... <laughs> so proud of you. You nailed it. Oh, man. This is our fourth episode that we're recording today, and I'm starting to feel the effects of it. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I actually, this is the episode I've been most excited for because, oh yeah, uh, it turned out it's like this is an Adrian Line movie that I had never seen before, and yep. this is straight up like so much of this movie was like made for me. This is catnip for JB, but, but I so was much. less charmed by it. Well, so what movie is this that we're talking about, Juan? It is unfaithful yes from 2002 and as one said just now directed by adrian line or it could be lynn we're not sure yeah we'll figure it out eventually <laughs> shout out to adrian huh 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 quick slim shady but whatever what? so what uh what is this movie about what is this movie about well, what is this what is this fucking movie about but yeah i mean what there is this is... fucking movie about yeah, yeah, there's some there's some sexy sex in this movie. There really is though. Um but okay, so 
this movie was billed to me as like an erotic thriller, which it is absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so I was expecting this to be a erotic thriller too, and it was it was moderately erotic and not very thrilling. Well, it's because it's not a thriller; it's a marital drama. It's kind of a marital drama, yeah. It's like one hundred percent a marital drama with flourishes of erotic thrillers, and it's more uh- about like the disillusion of a marriage through the like lens of mostly the woman and also partially the man, which I think like a shift in that perspective is really well done in this movie, but we'll discuss it in a second. Yeah. The first half of this movie is Diane Lane. And the second half of this movie is Richard Gere. Yeah. And they're both so good, but um, like, va- like sort of a vague split. And yeah. the, uh, the, 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 the bridging agent is one Olivier Martinez. Who is like arguably the weakest link in this movie, but oh, I will get by into, a mile. Yeah, but I will get into his appeal in a moment. I mean, I don't see the appeal of someone wearing fucking flared jeans, but okay. It's so well, it was the early two thousands, Derek. <laughs> I know it was the early two thousands, but fashion is timeless, my friend. I know, whatever. Uh, anyway, so this movie is about a wife whose 11 year marriage is kind of just like very stale and uh she decides she like literally runs into a like book collector in the middle of the street yeah in the middle of a crazy windstorm oh my god (laughs) we'll get into the windstorm in a second i it's like i want to talk about all of this because this movie has so many fun like uh, i love the visuals of this movie but we'll discuss Ah, it in a second um she basically falls into a like a really really consuming affair and um basically like her husband eventually starts getting suspicious of her actions and figures shit out and shit goes down yeah you see the poster and the title you know exactly what the fuck is happening in this movie yeah it's like there's gonna be an affair <laughs> she's committing the affair and that's about it it's like the it's poster so is literally one. It's the post- so no, it's not. Middle of the road. No, it's not. It's so oh my boring. God, what the fuck? so annoyed with you right now. So, the film literally... Oh, my God. Okay, the movie establishes midlife frustration so, 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 so well from, like, literally the first scenes. It's, like, the most neutered, cold, physically... Like, just everything about it feels like, oh, my God, these two people are just they're existing but like not with any kind of love it's just these two people who have reached this point in their lives where like does this marriage even really matter anymore and it's not spoken i I don't know it's kind of a quiet domesticity and i don't think they don't love each other i don't think that's the idea no i don't think they don't love each i think they definitely love each other it's like it's weird it's like you know after the love is gone but like it's still sort of there but yes like i mean quiet domesticity is exactly what i what the word is but then you have the literalization of like this woman being battered by this numbing life experience with her husband and child by the wind and it's like it's this intense windstorm that quite literally is only stopped by running into something that olivia martinez yeah it's so silly though it is but like it's melodrama it's like that's that's that like that's absolutely like like that's good I mean, melodrama it's a I meet cute I mean, it's what you would expect from a romantic comedy except it's not it's a romantic drama that's like this movie doesn't strike me as like all that melodramatic because it's quiet melodrama 
it's really so like it's not, it's so re- it's not melodrama. No, it it. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I think there's like different levels of melodrama. I I don't want to put you on blast because it's unfair and I'm taking shit out of context. But you told me you wrote in the Slack that this was like a grounded, muted Douglas Sirk film, and it's like okay, so it's a Douglas Sirk film without all the shit that makes Douglas Sirk films good. <laughs> I hate you so much. Let's take away. Let's take away the color palette. Let's take away. The sort of uh, the the heightened emotions. Let's take away the sort of okay. The the grand societal expectations are still kind of there, but they're not foreground. Well, okay, like they are Douglas so Cirque, Douglas Sirk movies. If you look at okay, fine. I, I hate you. Um, it's like Ghanaian comes out with a big fucking haymaker. Right well, it's like I specifically said I was very hesitant to use that word. Um, yeah. Also, it was like five in the morning because you're a madman. Yeah, and you were watching like this at five thirty in the fucking morning, and I was watching it. At like the arse end of the night, just before the <laughs> rooster starts to crow, just before the sun comes up. So, like, what I really find interesting about this is how grounded in realism it is compared to like Claude Chabrol's film, which is right, what this, this is, is a remake. remake of. Yes, uh, apparently, this I really is a really got off on of, thinking uh, the unfaithful uh, remake of the 1969 French film *The Unfaithful Wife*, or for us francophones, *La Femme et Fidèle*. Yeah, and it's like. I like I hate like I wish I could make like a chart of like melodrama <laughs> of like the most exaggerated out. melodrama to the most minimalist melodrama just plot it out on like Cartesian coordinates I like it's like I want to like do like a full thing and then I want to fit like what films are like nat- like naturalism versus heightened yes. on one axis it's like this is pure natural like not pure naturalism but like I closer. think this is just I think you're just trying to plot out romantic dramas there, though. Well, That's yeah, the thing. fair, fair, absolutely fair. But anyway, uh, I, I really fucking because like melodrama is not a genre; it's like a style. Yes, right? it is fair. But yeah, yeah. I want, I want to like it's the style. Sit, sit. It's the content. There's a nice metonymy in this film. There's a great image that I think feel captures the style and the tone and the kind of level this movie is operating on and there's like a nice con it's actually a nice contrast to the whole douglas cirque thing it's like you know how in all that heaven allows there's like the classic shot of jane wyman and they wheel in the tv into the living room Mm -hmm. and they're talking about oh this tv's gonna keep you company and shit it's gonna be fucking rad and then you just see her reflected in the closed tv oh so good and it's like this perfect encapsulation of of the movie Mm mm-hmm now, Unfaithful has one of these, and it's uh, a, a crossfade uh, where you have on the one side, you've got basically it's Diane Lane on the poster with like an unzipped dress and sort of like over Olivier Martinez's thighs mm-hmm. and kind of like sleepy, like po- like all post postcoital and glowing and sleepy and whatnot. Yeah. And superimposed onto that is Per Eric Sullivan on Richard Gere's shoulders playing with a super soaker. <laughs> and it's like that is not subtle at all but like does it have to be subtle it doesn't have to be subtle not every movie calls for for subtlety i just think it's kind of a weird move okay like i, mean, I think fair. I, I kind of wanted this to be more erotic-y and thrillery i wanted this to be kind of pervier and weirder mm, no okay i mean i get i get why you wanted it to be that but like I don't know. I really, I really think this movie is so good at using silence and touch and like, like being able to communicate without dialogue necessarily. And like, 
one of my favorite things about this movie is something that I like about a lot of like queer films and a lot of films about like female awakening actually I think they both go kind of hand in hand it's very much like there's so much internal conflict in literally everything that Diane Lane does you know like she'll pick up the phone to call this man and it's like you can see every single emotion running through her face of like it's not spoken it is shown through her gestures through her movements through how uh like line just places the camera on her and just her first you know like every time they're like having a sex scene it's like like line loves this kind of like it's a very wet kind of sexuality <laughs> it's very like, it's it's very gauzy it's very um it's like it's i hate saying like it's made kind of for like a female gaze but like this movie's really it's made for women it's not like focused on like her body and it's very much like uh i was having a discussion about bound the other day when i was introducing the movie and it was like that's a really really wet film and it's like that's like it's it's all about the touches, the looks, the bodies in like intertwined. It's kind of interesting you bring that up because Olivia Martinez isn't super sexualized in this film. Like, he takes his clothes off. He isn't. And he, and he fucking fucking rails Diane Lane a couple times. But it's like if anyone's objectified in this movie, it's Diane Lane. I don't think she's that objectified. I don't I don't know if she's that objectified, but if I don't think anyone's particularly objectified in this well, movie. Definitely not fucking Doughboy Richard Gere. Well, obviously not, but like I don't think any oh, of the two. It should have been Michael main... Douglas. It should have been Michael Douglas. No, it, always it should, should not be have Michael been. Douglas. No, it should not. Michael Douglas cannot play that neutered of a role. I think I think he can. I think no. there's an exact. I think there's a specific reason why they didn't go with Michael Douglas though. And why? I because the choice. Fatal Attraction. No, 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 no. Well, no. Well, I mean, there's a lot of cultural baggage that comes with Michael Douglas. But yeah. I think I don't think I would buy Michael Douglas crying the way I buy Richard Gere crying. Exactly. He's not. It's like, I hate saying, like, he and a bitch, but, like, he and a bitch. It's like, like, Richard Gere sold me that passivity that, like, I don't think, I don't think Michael Douglas could ever be that passive. I, because at, th- at this point, this is, like, because also the thing with Michael Douglas is that I think the pivot point from him being, like, the erotic thriller guy into being the, like, character actor guy happens between the game and wonder boys yes and after that that that, and that's like a period of like five years but even in his like low-key dramas he's always like a more active presence richard gear has to take the back seat as much as physically possible in this movie until the gears shift it's like I, i i buy i buy the sensitivity and i buy like the sadness in richard gear but i don't buy like i don't i don't buy like the anger no, I bought it. You know? I bought it so well for him. It's one I of didn't. like, it is arguably one of my favorite performances. Richard Gere performances? Yeah, of his absolutely. Uh, Diane Lane is like, well, Diane a Lane special level of knocked it out of the this. fucking park in this movie. Like, I could pinpoint the exact spot where she gets that Best Actress Academy Award nomination. Oh my god, which one of the many long takes of her acting? It's like I was like, whatever. Like for for the movie, but after she and Olivier Martinez have sex for the first time, and she's on the train. Back, yes, the train. If I would have been the one cutting this together, I would have had the sex scene, then just a long take of her reacting. Yes. On the train ride back. I don't disagree. But even still, even in like its sort of 
intercut form. It's so that powerful. Is some good ass fucking acting. Everything she does in this movie is such. The thing is, like, Diane Lane can do so. Like, like it's like one of those things. Like, I hate saying like she can do every emotion, but like, she carries regret so so amazingly. It's not that she can do every emotion. She can do like three emotions at once. Yes. You know. Yes. Well, it's like her face in this movie is literally a constant mix of like regret and joy. And it's like, like, uh, 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 it's so good. It's so no, good. it's a very um, good performance, and I wish the movie was up to it. But I don't uh, see like I love even like when the film starts. Obviously, it's all very like it's kind of like a slow burn. It's like it takes its sweet time. The score I think is gorgeous in this movie. I think it's super well executed and complementary to like every moment of emotion. But Jan there's Kazmarek with the score on this one. So good so fucking good um but like when the shift of like oh he won an oscar for finding neverland how about that uh yeah that's <laughs> an okay score uh academy academy award winner jan kazmarek please this is a much better score you should have won for this um anyway I, I haven't i didn't see finding neverland what the fuck do you think i am uh whatever something that i really i really liked about about the filmmaking was actually like the first half of the filmmaking is very calm. The second half, once things start to like slowly fall apart, not necessarily from like the murder that turns everything. Yeah. Fucking Richard Gere murks a guy with a snow globe. (laughs) It was like, well, uh, what I loved about that scene is like every emotional high is so subdued until that point where it's like just a burst of violence that breaks it because of its intensity. It was so jarring to me to like, oh shit! It's like, pretty jarring. I was genuinely expecting the movie to continue down this path of like path of quiet indifference until the end, and just like embracing the misery and like turmoil, and then it hits you with that, and then it goes right back to being a marital drama about like complacency. I think this is where we depart because you wanted leading... it to go thrills. I wanted, I, okay, this is like kind of my going to, up until that point, okay, this movie is decent, it's kind of square, but whatever. And then, then Gear goes to Martinez's apartment, and I'm like, this movie could go into like seven different directions at this point. <laughs> and it takes the lamest one. I don't agree. I think it's like, so interesting. Because I had, it... I had two thoughts. I, I thought like, is this movie going to pull like a fucking, like a Teorema love triangle shit or whatever? No. And it's like, nope. We're just going to keep doing the lame shit we did beforehand. But see, I mean, again, that's where we differ. It's you think it's lame. I think it's fascinating because I I find marital dramas really, really interesting. Like, I I thought, like, for a split second that Olivier Martinez was going to be outed as, like, just this. The movie kind of tilts towards, oh, fucking Olivier Martinez has drugged Richard Gere. What the fuck happens next? (laughs) And no, it's like it was a fake out. Gear fucking smashes his skull in. Mm-hmm. And then it's like 10 minutes of him trying to hide the body. I'm like, fuck, you're not going to do anything with that at all. But like, I don't want it to go a ridiculous way. It doesn't have to be super ridiculous. It just has to not be the literal thing you anticipate. But why not? I don't know. I kind of feel like I expect more from these kinds of movies. 
that there is sort of a marital conflict isn't enough to kind of sell me on it because i think those stories are kind of lame okay that's fair i think they're really interesting i i find it really interesting to just watch people act and fall apart slowly but surely yeah yeah this is just another thing of like what kind of movie did you want to see yeah this isn't really the movie i wanted to see nor was it really the movie i thought i was going to get i thought it was going to be a lot more erotic and a lot more thrilling. Not that it wasn't like erotic in parts, but it was definitely not thrilling. I mean, and it's a little dramatic, sure, but probably check out the Shabbat. That's probably a decent movie. Um, I've seen like bits of it. I've never seen the whole whole thing. Um, I should someday. So there's like this Adrian Line quote that I found earlier today that I really liked in how he approaches like all of his films because obviously, I mean. We could do a whole episode on like a tour theory on Adrian Lyne because well, I Adrian do think... Lyne definitely has some 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 uh, some pet themes. Let's put it that way. Yes, absolutely. And like obviously, infidelity infidelity is one of those. But like, what he said in an interview once was, um, I think it's more about being a love story, and obviously, sexuality is a part of that. I'm interested in how you would never believe that two people would be so hateful to each other but still in a fucked up way, love each other. And it's like, that to me, like, speaks so much to this movie. It's these two people who, like, are absolutely hurting each other, mm-hmm. one without necessarily knowing he's hurting the other person until he quite physically Like, hurts. one's passive, one's active. Yes. It's passive frustrations, or passive indiscretions versus active indiscretions. And it's like, by the end of the movie, you, it's like they're bound together by what they've done. They're obviously on two completely different levels mm-hmm. of what they've done. But like, I don't know. I find that so interesting to explore that dynamic between those two people. And it doesn't have to be like loud or anything. It's just, what did we do? It's really weird because at its, I feel like it rings the falsest at its loudest. Like when Richard Gere has that his has mini that, speech, his mini speech towards the end, where it's like, "I didn't want to kill him; I wanted to kill you." It, it was a little yeah, super it was, false. That's my least favorite part of the like, movie. Holy actually, shit, fuck you, movie. That's absolutely my least favorite part of the movie. I really liked Eric Per Sullivan in this movie. We were talking about how shitty child actors are. He was really good. He was really good, actually. Very simple, but very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the uh, the school musical being. Uh, done in sign language too is kind of a nice touch right <laughs> um i will say i mean it's like i i really can't keep i, I can keep talking about um oh, please do forever. i mean we're only at like 25 minutes we got some time to fill no i can keep talking about diane lane like literally forever with this movie but like when we talk when we talk about the great american actresses and and diane lane's been doing this shit for like 40 years now absolutely her name doesn't come up, but it probably should. Not as often as it should. It's kind of criminal because, like, I mean, uh, one thing in this movie, it's like it's very easy for this performance, if not done right, to fall into like, oh, this woman is kind of a bitch. She's cheating on her husband. She's like neglecting her child. Like, oh, what an awful person. And like, one, it's partially the script that like does a very good job at maintaining it into like a very sympathetic zone, mm-hmm. but like. It's such a raw performance where, like, like the, this 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 could have been a super trashy movie without that kind of performance. It is yeah, it could have a very authentic 
person there is very it's a very raw sexual film that like you can tell it's her desires it's not just like a man taking advantage of her which arguably yes he kind of is yeah but like he sort of is it is her choice like she is the one who is much she has agency she flies much but much like Icarus, she flies too close to the sun. Absolutely. The, the sun being Olivier Martinez and his terrible genes. <laughs> oh god. You wanted to talk about Olivier Martinez. Uh, what about? Oh my god, that's right. I'm sorry. Uh thank you for reminding me because I would have forgotten. So, that's what I do. When I initially saw and heard Olivier Martinez, I was like, "Oh my god, what is this?" Like he is literally I don't understand his appeal. Why would she be into this man? And then I realized like he is probably what her husband might have been 11 years ago. It's like that. He's not that attractive, but he's not unattractive. He's not super interesting, but he has. Gear dresses better than Olivier Martinez in this fucking movie. Of course he does, but that's because he's older and well dressed, and his wife helps him dress. That sweater scene was really adorable. Um. <laughs> like there's so oh oh the bathtub scene is so good too when bathtub he's trying scene is really to, good oh oh uh it's like that rejection of touch from someone after you've had an indiscretion is like that's so real that's so f- oh oh my god oh i like i strongly relate to 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 this to women in this movie uh or woman well no women because even like the supporting characters when they got the friends right yeah, when she has her scene where like she's talk she's literally telling her she's like it's like the worst mistake I ever made in my life. Like it will ruin you. And it's like it's like I know that's like a not subtle moment, but like the fact that she continues after that. It's like like girl, you had the warning signs in front of you and it's like you still did it and it's like I get it. I understand. Yeah, I think you're just more into the material than me cuz I don't think this is like a bad-looking movie. I just couldn't give two flying fucks about the material. Which, fair. Fair. Entirely fair. I, this is, I mean, I think it's like you said earlier, I don't remember if it was on audio or not, but, like, this is my Beyond the Black Rainbow. This is your Beyond the Black Rainbow. Like, this is, this is made for me. This This plays into too many things that you like to be anything, like, like, sure, it can be critical about Beyond the Black Rainbow, but that won't keep me from thinking that this is an amazing film, even though most people don't think so, and your mileage may wildly vary. Yeah. It's very easy for people to see either Unfaithful or Beyond the Black Rainbow as kind of a kind of a pastiche, kind of a just just kind of a, a nothing nothing really extraordinary, but the way it moves and the way it's put together plays to so much shit that you actually like of to course. see in movies. I also like, you know no, go on. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that that was I was concluding. Like, okay, that's like, no, no, no. This is, to my mind, an amazing movie. Me, for me, it's Beyond the Black Rainbow, and apparently for you, it's Unfaithful. Well, it's also it's part of that like that thing I have for like films that are primarily focused on like women who indulge in problematic things in their lives, or like are trying to find themselves. Women who are trying to find themselves is like my default. All right. Love of movies and like Diane Lane, I think is so good at that, and I think it echoes on later in her career. I mean, uh, like it's like one movie from last year that I think was like 
No, I'm going to talk about it in my recommendations. I'm going to save it. I will literally, okay. I will save that purely. That's going to be my recommendation. So forget it. I'm going to stay quiet now. Um, I don't, I think we're more or less done unless you have anything else to add. Uh, what do I have here? Um, in my notes. Yeah. I, I just want to reiterate that I kind of wish this movie was a little more askew. I mean, I think you should watch some of Adrian Lyne's other movies. Yeah, because I, like I said, I don't, I've definitely not seen any other movie. I may have seen Flashdance, but I've definitely not seen like Nine and a Half Weeks. And What's like, watch Fatal Attraction. I think Fatal, Fatal Attraction, Attraction is what you wanted from this movie. Maybe. Because it has Michael Douglas in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's literally, oh, it's man. Michael Douglas, um, Glenn Close. And Glenn Close. Yeah, it's, and it's literally like the kind of like thrills you wanted. That's, yeah, that's probably, yeah, I was probably just expecting one thing and I got, yeah, because maybe the fact that he had made a, a fatal attraction and then kind of, this feels like a neutered version of the kind of movie I wanted to see. Yes, because it is a neutered movie and like that's okay because it's that kind of movie uh, man nah it's it's entirely also, too, it's entirely too square of a movie to be like thrilling or like sort of it like the, the the just the drama feels really inert okay i i i i, I, I don't know i can't I, I don't know you know this is clearly just not the thing i'm interested in yeah which again i get it but I disagree. <laughs> this is our th- this is our third consecutive New York movie. Yeah, it is. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they live in Westchester County, New York, which is in the northern suburbs of New York. So, uh, and they keep going out to the city to have affairs. Yeah, apparently. Well, affairs do happen in the city. It's like I've you know me. Uh, <laughs> flashback to me having lots of sex in New York. Uh, <laughs> call back, call back to one fucking in New York. Yeah, boy. Um, Can you okay? Two two amazing facts about this movie that I do kind. Of, this kind of ties into the Diane Lane Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. This movie a cost fifty million dollars to make. This movie was fifty million. Yeah, they. How in, much in did two, Richard Gere get paid in two in two thousand and two? How much did Richard Gere get paid? I don't know. They left a, that a lot of that movie was not on the screen. I feel, but you know how much this movie made. I'm. It pro- it didn't do that well, did it? A hundred and nineteen million dollars. Oh, God bless! It was a giant hit. I'm so glad. They don't make this kind of movie anymore. They don't. Right? Well, they don't make erotic thrillers in general anymore. Erotic thrillers or dramas anymore. Erotic dramas, erotic thrillers, and there's erotic no cinema for, like, in general doesn't get made enough. And they're not really making these kinds of movies for like actresses that are like around forty years old. You know, yeah. Because let's let's because if we run back the numbers, uh, Diane Lane was forty when this movie came out, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is the same thing. Like a couple of years before this came out, Joan Allen got nominated for Best Actress for The Contender, mm-hmm. which is a great movie, by the way. And it's like that that kind of role and those kinds of movies don't really get made. At There's all. like no appetite for them, which is really weird. What's well, like mid budget movies? In general, just fifty don't... is a bit higher than that's true than mid budget. Yeah. See, the contender I feel was more like a mid budget one because that was twenty mil, but that wasn't like a runaway hit. That only made like twenty two mil at the box office. It was mm-hmm. like a, that didn't do super good at the box office. Who is she up against? I'm like looking now. I'm like I wanted to check because I was so curious. Nicole Nicole Kidman won for the hours. 
And the other <sighs> nominees were uh, Salma Hayek for Frida. That's a good fucking year. I just looked at it. Oh, my Julianne God. Julianne Moore in Far From Heaven and Renee Zellweger in Chicago. Oh, my God. That's such a good year. I have seen one of those movies and it was unfaithful. This is legitimate. Actually, I saw, Chicago? I saw Chicago, which I don't like. That's I true. Know. I like to forget that I've seen oh Chicago Oh, my God. Sometimes. Nicole Kidman in The Hours is such a good performance. Selma Hayek and Frida is excellent. Diane Lane is excellent. Julianne Moore in Far From Heaven is so good. Oh my god! Everyone like Renee Zellweger is great. Speaking like, of a speaking of a, a a Cirque riff, that's far from heaven, right? Yes, absolutely. That is far more Cirquean than. Oh hell yeah! By like a like I haven't even seen the movie, and I know. What's well, like okay? Wait, okay. So you've seen you've seen um, Ali fear it's the soul. Correct. I have seen Ali fear it's the soul. It's a good ass movie. Okay, so that is closer to the melodrama I'm thinking of. But it's than... still it's still kind of off kilter. But it's somewhere it's, in the middle. It it's doesn't like, again in, in my same... giant chart of right <laughs> in because my giant melodrama chart. That's this is a closer. lot more stylized in terms of performance, in terms of set, in terms of like blocking. Yes. it's kind of out there. Fine. Whereas this kind of plays it close to the chest and is kind of square. My point stands. Fuck you! It's not square. I hate you. Um. Anyway, I. I mean, I. I got. I got to speak my truth, my friend. That's fine. This I, podcast yeah. wouldn't work if I didn't. That's very true. Okay. So, uh, should you ever remember that Sandra Bullock won Best Actress for The Blind Side? Unfortunately, every day of my life, yes. Who else was nominated that year? Helen Mirren, Carrie Mulligan, Gabori Sidibe, and Meryl Streep. It was a year where the wrong people were all nominated. Um. It's like there were uh, so many better performances that year. I mean, offhand, I don't really recall, but of those four, I feel like, like, what the fuck am I saying? I haven't seen any of these movies either. I've seen all of them. Carrie Mulligan should have won out of For all of them. And education. Yes, absolutely. It's not my favorite Meryl performance, but like I'm glad she got nominated for it. But anyway, so we're so we're nearing forty minutes of raw audio. So I think we should. I think we've talked uh, enough about this movie. So Juan. What is your final judgment on Adrian Lin's Unfaithful? Fresh as fuck. Fresh as fuck. I'm going to have to go on... Uh, I'm not going to say rotten as fuck because there are things... like I can't, I, I can't in good conscience call a movie with this good a performance in it by Dan... Like the one by Diane Lane, bad. But I did not care for it very much. So I'm going to have to go rotten. I soft, think that's such soft bullshit. Rotten. That's soft such rotten. bullshit, I mean, you heard me talk. You know why I'm saying this. I know, but I think it should be a very soft fresh. Because I think you actually... I think now that you know what it is, if you rewatch this movie in a couple of years, I think you would like it better. There's too much shit about this movie that I don't... That I... It's... It's too lame. Whatever. You're lame. Ugh. <laughs> I'm, I'm hurling insults at you. I don't care. Um, it's like I didn't hurl them at you for, for the producers, but I will absolutely go to bat for this movie. I mean, you, you, you do you, man. I mean, I knew this was probably going to be better received by you than it was going to be for me. Yeah, but definitely. This is not my cup of tea, not by a long shot. So now the question is, what would yes. you recommend? What would I recommend? Um, I haven't seen any other Adrian Lyne movies, so I'd be hard pressed to um, choose one of those because that would be weird. I mean, again, watch Fatal Attraction for you. I think. I mean, be I, I probably think that movie's like rad. Yeah. We are going to go... Yeah, fuck it. Let's go for an easy one. Let's do American Gigolo. Ooh, yes. Such a the, good movie. The Paul Schrader film with uh, Richard Gere, uh, Lauren Hutton, and uh, Bill Duke is also in that thing, right? Um, I believe the great so, great Bill yeah. Duke. 
Oh God, I love that movie. It's so good. Uh, the music in that movie is now that excellent. that is a that is a movie that is like perfectly stylized. Great soundtrack by Giorgio Moroder. That is definitely not a square movie. It's really cool. Yeah, no, I agree. It's that's like, a Jer- it's slick as shit, but that's because it was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. So yeah, no, I I genuinely love that movie. I may or may not. I know this is coming out later, but I may be. I hopefully by this point in time, I will have potentially met paul schrader uh-huh apparently um, his latest one is really good yeah that's what i hear he's bringing it to the or he brought it to the miami film festival <laughs> last yes, month oh that's right he wrote oh man this dude's had a hell of a career he has he's magnificent man remember the canyons um unfortunately <sighs> Ooh, it was I rough know. going there for a while i mean it's brett fucking easton ellis it's like oh uh, yeah I don't care for him. Remember the speech that James Dean gives in the therapist's office and the therapist is played by Gus Van Sant. Fucking God, yeah. Oh, what a bad movie that is. Anyway, so American Gigolo. Yeah, American Gigolo. Good ass. Man, this guy was fucking... The first four movies he wrote were The Yakuza, Taxi Driver, Obsession, and Rolling Thunder. I know. That's nuts. That is a wild run. Good's got some good content. Uh, So yeah, Paul Schrader's American Gigolo. Get on it. All of it. So what about you? Um, my choice, and this is going to be accompanied by a long spiel about Diane Lane as an Give actress. Her. Um, so obviously I saw Under the Tuscan Sun recently, and I think okay. it's brilliant. But last year I saw this wonderful, wonderful movie that everyone really underrated because they kept unfairly comparing it to like a film about two men on a road trip eating food, which is bullshit, first of all, because like the trip Michael Winterbottom's The Trip is a completely different fucking movie than this movie. That's a great movie, though. It is a very good movie. It's just completely fuck. It's like it's wrong to compare a movie to another movie because they both have food and driving. It's like it's stupid. So does it? Does it? Does this one have Diane Lane doing a Michael Caine impression? Oh my god! If only. Um, she does do. She like jokes around a lot. But anyway, um, this movie is called Paris Can Wait. Paris Can Wait. It is by Eleanor Coppola. You are really into like the scions of the Coppola family, not not necessarily the 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 the, the, the top guys. I love Francis Ford. I don't know what she's talking about. Francis, Sophia, uh, Gia, Eleanor. I don't like. Well, I like Gia's short work better than I liked her feature. Um, Have you seen any any Christopher Coppola films? I don't think so. He directed a movie called Deadfall, which by all uh, by all accounts is a bad movie, but has an absolutely unhinged Nicolas Cage performance in it. Oh, I've never seen it. Um, but I do like all of the Cop- I most of the Coppolas. I think. I mean, I like. I love a lot of Francis Ford's movies. I love almost every single Sofia Coppola movie. Right, you weren't wild about the Beguiled, which no, kind of surprised I me. I think it's mediocre. Um. It's, ugh, it's like her most underbaked movie. It's a shame, but whatever. Roman is a pretty damn good director who's only made like two movies, but like a lot of shorts. And uh, yeah, one of the, did you see what's the, the weird sci-fi one? Uh, CQ. CQ. So good. That's like yeah. that's such an excellent debut. It's like oh, so good. Um, and didn't didn't he co-write some shit with Wes Anderson as well? Yes, he did. Numerous films that I can't remember off the top of my head. One of which I think is like Darjeeling, which I think is his weakest. But but so Eleanor Coppola, mm-hmm. I think is a lot of people were like saying like, oh, this is just like a movie of like her taking like her privileged self through like 
the landscapes of France. And it's like, first of all, this movie is incredibly, incredibly... Like, first of all, she made Hearts of Darkness, which is, like, hella good documentary. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Second of all... Oh, that was hers. What? I didn't know that she had directed Hearts of Darkness. Yeah. She was the one who directed the a Filmmaker's Apocalypse. Huh. Yes. She, like... She's good at what she... She, like, co-directed it. It's like... She did all of the documentary footage for yeah, it. Yeah, co- co-directed with George Hickenlooper and Fax Barr. This movie is, like, essentially just a woman who's married to, like, a successful movie producer, and she takes a car trip with one of his associates all throughout the south of France, all the way to Paris. And it's just, like, them driving, talking, stopping to eat food and relax, and, like, this slow culmination of, like, a potential affair. It's the most casual movie, but it is so influenced by her other works. It's, like, I can see Unfaithful in there. I can see um, Under the Tuscan Sun. She, like, uh, uh... There's a lot of Under the Tuscan Sun in Paris Can Wait, actually. It's, like, really frustrating. But, like, I just find Diane Lane such a compelling figure to watch on screen no matter what she's doing. Like, literally, the whole thing is, like, her just being a bit of a photographer. Eleanor Coppola sort of, like, occasionally winking at people with, like, she put on, um, she has Diane Lane literally, like, put on Phoenix in the car. Oh, God, Jesus fucking And be like, my daughter showed me these people, and I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, It was just like... no. No, it was really cute. It's like, it was such a lovely way to, like, incorporate your daughter's partner into a movie. And I just, I don't know, like, it effortlessly... It's a movie that, like, effortlessly, effortlessly manages to do everything it wants to do. It doesn't have any ambitions in being, like, grand. It's just kind of like this indulgence in French living and also like there's a couple of really really emotional moments that punctuate the film that could that arguably like it's a film that could be disposable otherwise but like those moments and how Diane Lane sells them are like oh they're so good they're so good I really love the movie it's like there's a line in it that's just like, Anne, you're human, and you've been to the depths of what that means. And, like, I don't know. Like, I really, really loved Paris Can Wait. I think it was one of, like, the underrated films of last year that everyone kind of just dismissed because it was, like, a woman making a movie about a woman being a woman and just, like, existing. And I think that's... Fuck it. That's my genre. It's like... <laughs> All right. Okay. So yeah, I I apologize for like rambling about like Paris can wait that much. It's fine. Um, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, I'm a sucker for rom com drum things. Rom com drum. Yeah, and I hope Eleanor Coppola keeps making more movies, and I hope Diane Lane just like cast Diane Lane in everything. Man, she needs to be around more. She should not just be playing Martha fucking Kent. <laughs> right. That's right. Like, how is that what everyone knows her for nowadays? It's miserable to me. All right, so uh, this is our last recording sesh for the day. But we still have to pick a movie for the next episode. Oh, you do, yes. Now it's my pick. And I wanted to take something that when I first saw, 
when I first saw this movie, I don't think I was properly equipped for it, both mm-hmm. in terms of like what to expect, uh, just like my overall cinephilia. Uh, and it's something that's kind of like been biting at the back of my mind to go revisit because I think I might like it better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever had this experience, one where it's like you go back and revisit something that you think you may not have gotten the first time? Yes. Because you were like, I don't know, too young, or you didn't know what to expect. And, like The movie was marketed one way and you got something else. I have done that very often. So we're going to do it again for this podcast, because on the next episode of Stuck in the Middle with You, we will be watching Observe and Report, oh, a 2009 really? film by Jody Hill. That's That's the one you don't think you got? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, sure. I think I think I need to see it again. I guess. I mean, I don't, we have to I don't do think, it, so. I, I don't think I got a handle on how dark it was the first go-around. I don't think I ever ended up watching it, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess we will. I mean, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Juan and I run a website. It's called Dim the House Lights. You can find it at dimthehouselights.com. Uh, there you can find all manner of film-related writing by me and by him and by the rest of our of our crack team of scribes, Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, and Ross Burks. You can find Juan's work at uh, the Miami New Times, both in print and online, mostly online. And you can find uh, my uh, stuff collected at my portfolio blog, MontrealSchlockCity.com. That's Montreal, S-C-H-L-O-C-K, City.com. Uh, we're both on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, I'm at both places, at Derek underscore G. And Juan is at both places, at Whoa, It's Juanito. That's W-O-A-H, It's Juanito, all together. Uh, hi, I'm Juan, and I also run a film series at, in Miami called Flaming Classics. And we pair queer films, or films that can be read as queer or feminine, uh, with drag performances afterwards. And it, it takes place every second and fourth Sunday of the month in the Cosford Cinema at University of Miami at 8 p.m., uh, yeah, that's everything, I think. Yeah, boy. Let's All right, so, uh, kill it. So we're done for the day. I'm we have really recorded four episodes. And, uh, well, yeah, that's it. See you in two weeks, everybody. Peace out.